Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open or you love the convenience of no-shell pistachios like myself, Wonderful Pistachios is the perfect healthy snack for when hunger strikes. And there are a bunch of tasty flavors to choose from too, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Here we go. What's up? What's up? What's up? You're back for another episode of Paper Out. And we back at the crib. I'm Corey and I'm back in the cut and I got your host here, Ashley Nicole Moss. I got Hi. Brandon Marshall. Woo Out West is here in the building and we got BC in the booth and Mysterious Amanda Legend is just, you know, <laughs> somewhere the, the way Andrew slid that seat away. <laughs> Real quick, right? <laughs> Yo, but, but yeah, man, we back and we got a dope episode for y'all today. Man, we saw a couple stars sign contracts yesterday. So we're going to talk about that. A couple big names. Finally. And and should we be concerned for the 76ers? I mean, we saw what James Harden came out and said yesterday when he was over in China. Right. And, you know, actually a couple another couple more stars are now involved. Joel Embiid's name came up. P.J. Tucker. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later as well. But first. Guys, this has been a big story, really, as of as of yesterday, right? If you guys have been keeping up, really, with the news, you'd know that Michael Orr, he's been like a trending story as of late. So, kind of give you guys like some background, some context with this story. Michael Orr, he was the guy, he was the star of The Blind Side. That was a, you know, it was a movie came out, and I believe in two thousand. Uh, I wish I knew the year, but the, the Blind Side, like right? Maybe? Yeah, it might have been 2000, 2008. But now, d- 2009. Yeah, it's, all right. To give you some context about it, so when he, it was three months after Michael Orr's 18th birthday that he was introduced to the Tui family, right? And the Tui family allegedly tricked him into signing a document that made them his conservators, right? So according to Teresa Walker of the AP, in a petition that Orr filed on Monday, he made it clear that he was under the impression that they were the, his adoptive parents. So for two decades, he's been under the impression that they're his adoptive parents. And in this in this file that in the Shelby court, in the, in the Shelby uh, County probate court, or is now asking, obviously, for this conservatorship to be terminated. But he is also asking uh, for all of the money earned off of his name and his story. He also asked that he's paid uh, due along with interest too. obviously for, you know, this you know, uh, being where it is now and so mm-hmm. long removed from, you know, him signing that conservatorship. So it's, 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 the story's obviously still developing to kind of also give you guys some context. Developing? Hold yeah. on. No, no, no. Let's just jump right into yeah. it. Yeah. The story's developing, Ashley? It's or still developing. Like, yeah. I mean, this was how many years ago? We're talking about over well, 15 no. years ago and now you're, you're, you're just learning this. Yeah. So like, well, you know, I don't know too much of it. You and Corey mm-hmm. uh, have more of the details, but this is concerning for me when I hear Michael Orr just now coming out. Well, The Blind Side made over $300 million at the box office when it was there. I think it also won Sandra Bullock an Oscar. Mm-hmm. So it was an Oscar-nominated film. Um, 
it says here also is he it's over two hundred thousand dollars for two of their children i guess they received um or he's looking for two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars from each of their children so what is so that? Each family member of the Tui family yeah. made $225,000 each plus, plus 2.5% 2. 2. Okay. interest, uh, you know, as, you know, as the movie, you know, sold. sold so they received 2.5% interest of the net proceeds from exactly. the film. The film grossed over $300 million and he didn't receive anything, anything. is what he's saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is highly, I don't, it's not even unfortunate. It's icky. Like, for lack of a better word, um, it's disheartening. The story was so um, <clears throat> just warm, and it was such an impactful story when it came out. Yeah. Um, he did release a book a few years ago, and he said how much he did not like that movie because it depicted, you know, the Tui family as, like, this these white saviors who came in and changed his life. Mm -hmm. And he was playing high school football when they – when they came into contact with him. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he was just like this, like kid off the street with nothing going for him. I believe he was a five-star recruit in high school. Um, Andrew fact checked me on that, but so it's not like he was like a nobody and they picked him off the street. Like it shows in the film, like he was just walking on the sidewalk and they said, Oh, we're going to, we're going to change your life. Yes. He had issues that he was dealing with, with his family and things like that, but he also had a future. He also had skill. He also had talent as an right. athlete. They mm -hmm. did not give that to him. They basically, the way that he tells it and the way that the movie portrays it is that like they came and they saved him and they changed his life. The way that he says it is that I was a five-star recruit and basically you picked me out of all the five-star recruits and sent me to Ole Miss. And then eventually I went to the the NFL draft and, and the Ravens. Andrew, you, he was a five-star recruit, correct? Yes, in 2005. And he was also number 38 overall in the nation. So, like, let's – let's he, right, this is right, not right, somebody right. who, like, was, like, a yeah. nobody and you made him a somebody. He had yeah, things but, going for him. Yeah, but you you also played a part in this, right? Like, How? you sat down and if you didn't read the entire script, because not all of us read, if you ain't read the entire script, Ashley, Wu, Corey, you at least had somebody take you through it. Hey, this is what the story's going to be about. Like, we're going to open like this. You know, they had him looking very... Fragile. Slow. Yeah, and slow. Yeah, that was slow. Amazing. Like, that little kid teaching him how to play football, et cetera, et cetera. So you knew the storyline. You knew what they were doing. Why'd you let it go? Well, he's saying that he had no... He had no... Um, he was not involved with the making of this film at all, which is why he didn't receive any of the net proceeds. It was basically, so for people who don't understand how a conservatorship works, it's the same thing that Britney Spears was under via her dad. So basically what it is, is that you have a person or people in this case who basically control your every move. Like if Brandon, if you wanted to go, if yeah. I, if you were under my conservatorship and you wanted to go on vacation, you need my approval. Otherwise, I'm glad you, you put go. that. That's the first time I ever heard of that was with Britney Spears. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Now I understand. So basically, okay. like you cannot make a move without somebody's approval. Basically, right. your conservatorship's approval. They they control everything from your finances to mm -hmm. where you can go on vacation. In the case of Britney Spears, they forced her to wear an IUD for people who don't know what that is it, it um, prevents, prevents pregnancy 
Like birth the, it's a form of birth control. Like they control every single aspect of your life. Y'all boys don't you, know what that is, huh? Woo, <laughs> 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 you know what you know what I mean? That that's around long enough. That's like the best form of birth control. Oh my god, <laughs> that's the most invasive. Right. Let's not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so basically, you and it happens for a multitude of reasons. Either you're a minor, or either you are deemed. Um, not able to take care of yourself, which is why someone else is put in charge of everything. So in this case, the Tuis are going ahead and saying that they had to go ahead and place him under a conservatorship because they were told at the age of 18, you can't adopt because at that point you're technically an adult. Mm -hmm. So that's their, that's their defense as to why he was placed under a conservatorship and never actually legally adopted because he already aged out of the system. He's telling a different story. Right. So, so before we, uh, I respond to this, I, I just saw the chat, people talking about patches. They're saying I'm wild for talking about the birth control. Patches don't work. I don't do the <laughs> patches. Patch. Don't do the yeah. patch. You don't Not, do the patch? Well, I mean, I, like. Oh, my God. You see? I can't believe it. Patches was back when I was in high school. Like, people still use patches? I, that was yeah, when I was. That was, that was 2002, You're not 2003. I don't know if I'm trusting so, patch, but, yeah. they, they need to make some birth they control. They should for make some birth dudes. control for men. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been, listen, I'm not a scientist. Just, just <laughs> like flipping this conversation real quick. Yeah. I'm not a scientist. I don't have the wherewithal or the intelligence to develop something like this. But we should definitely birth control some of these men. Straight up. Yeah. Like, straight the hell up. <laughs> yeah. Like, some of y'all do not need to be reproducing. Right. And some of y'all need Yo. to be stopped so, from reproducing. You already have enough kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, listen, uh, this is, look, I was shocked to hear this in the news, right? Michael Orr suing. I, I didn't even spend a lot of time, like, diving into it. Um, but it became obviously a big story, a hot topic, a national story. So we're here, we're talking about it. Um, I don't, I don't know how he how he's in this position, and then why now? You know, what we're you talking about now? so many years later. I just don't. I mean, I guess we all make mistakes, right? We talk about this all the time, even in you know hell on this platform. It's like, are you reading your paperwork? How are you conducting your business? Do you understand what you're getting involved in, in, right? So, like, I was I was shocked. That's what I would say, Ashley. I was shocked to see this in the news. Well, you also have to also remember, how old was he when The Blind Side came out? He's probably 25, maybe. He was, he was what, young he was in the league, right? So he 25, was in 26. the league playing. He didn't have any, he did not have any input on this film is what he is saying. Right. So he has his own life, his own family, his own career. This film is being made about him. He may not have even known until but it actually, actually came but out. But actually, he, he, didn't Excuse he go me. on the media circuit too and saying like, yeah, this is my story. Like he signed off on it. He could have easily used this platform and said, I don't know what the hell this blind side is. This isn't me. Did he mm -hmm. push back after a practice when you got... 20 men and women on a beat covering you after a game. Pete, everybody was talking about the blind side. It was actually a really good movie. But remember, I mean, he did have a book that came out where he's saying that he did not like his how he was depicted in the film, that there were some truths, but a lot of it was exaggeratory. Right. One of it being he wasn't just this, like, kid from... I mean, he was, but he wasn't this, like, slow, like, just walking the sidewalk kid by himself. He was a five-star high school recruit who we, had who had potential. Like, why, why, don't, why didn't we get him on the show? We should what, get him on the show. Yeah, what was it, Andrew? 
Oh, I was going to let you know he was 23 when it came out. And there was something, because I was looking into this yesterday, actually, and there was something that came out that said the reason why he didn't, like, attack the situation mm -hmm. was because he thought that the message of the story was positive. The message That's his was original positive. reason for not just outright suing them. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? And then mm -hmm. as time went on, he was like, I don't like the way this looks. Yeah. I don't like the way, because if you look in the movie, there's a part where he, like, draws a boat. He looks like a four-year-old. Right, like, right, right. Yeah, they depicted you know him I mean? as yeah. someone who had, like, absolutely yeah, not slow, no intelligence, but, like, a delayed... Now. No, you can say it slow. <laughs> they, that's how they did, for real. They, Seriously. Somebody, yes, who had a delayed intelligence. But I think also people don't realize things like this take time, especially when you're filing a lawsuit of this magnitude and you're suing for intellectual property and that's back true. damages. You have to go through years and years and years of finances you have to do the research is not something that you can just wake up one day and just file a lawsuit you have to have how much this person received you have to do your due diligence it probably took him a while and again That's he true. has his own family now you know he has young kids who are probably you know seeing this film or have friends who have seen it and it depicts their father in a way that's not true, and maybe now he feels differently about it what if than they do he a did. What if they do a spinoff? How would you do a spinoff? <laughs> like Michael Orr is like the real story. Oh my god! Michael Orr, he comes out and he's like, you know, now you're showing all the scenes of how they're taking advantage of him. You know, they're looking at paperwork and they're like, change this language. Mm. Let's take it from us adopting him to what do you call it a conservatory? Conservatorship. That's you know what though. Whatever. What is it called? A conservatorship. And conservatorship. I don't know about you guys, great... but I think that that's one of the things. I mean, people always take like creative liberties when they're making films. Mm. Like things are exaggerated, things are like for you know um, omitted from the film, like because it's not sexy enough. Right. But I think one of the things that's kind of rubbing me wrong about this is that they portrayed it as if they adopted him, right, and mm -hmm. welcomed him into his family, Saved their them. family, yeah, and. Right. and and saved him and, and all of this, knowing that wasn't the case, knowing one, you never adopted him, it was a conservatorship, and two, knowing that he was a five-star recruit before he even came into contact with Bro. your family, I don't understand why that would not be in the film if you're telling the true story. It wouldn't have exactly. made it any less um, sentimental. You still, in some ways, gave him a home they, they were a well-off family. He went to Ole Miss. He went to the NFL draft. He made over $30 million in the NFL. for the. He played with the Ravens. I mean, Come it, on, it's a lot. Look at this picture. No, no, He's, no. They up on the stage, yeah, the biggest moment. Yeah. What I'm saying yeah. is, is at the time, but they, he don't even look happy. Like that's, Yo. it was still his family. So I'm not saying that, I'm, all I'm simply saying is that if they would have told the true story, it wouldn't have made it any less yeah. of a positive story. Right. But it's because they purposely misled people mm -hmm. about what they did, how they did it, and made it seem like they saved him when that's not the case. Right. That's kind of rubbing that's rubbing me the wrong way. Yeah. It's like Oof. a white savior complex thing. Oof. I don't. I Honestly, don't like to that. your point, Brandon, I think there is an opportunity for like a documentary or something. Wait, wait, I would like to, go see, it, left. I would like to see it in the in the form yeah. of a documentary, though, not a movie, yeah. but a documentary. Take me to to Mississippi or Tennessee, rather, where he's from, where he grew up. Memphis. I want to see it. Like I want. Yeah, he's Memphis. from Memphis. Did yeah, y'all so, hear about the Ole Miss booster uh, theory, though? Yes. That's another part that of the story. They were getting paid on the back end. They were boosters, basically. For That's Ole what Miss. I want to hear. Where did it yeah. go left? Right, that guy. So they got all him I to see. Ole Miss. Can you throw that? Can you throw that? Can you throw that photo no, no, no. back up? Can you throw that photo back up? Yeah. This is his biggest moment yeah. in his career, 
and he's sharing it with them. Correct. How do we go from that to this? To well, That's all the, I want to know. I think that yeah. they Netflix. they went to mm-hmm. the the Tuies were Tennessee. They went to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It was the tutor who was claimed to be a, a Ole Miss booster because yeah. his tutor mm-hmm. was the one who went to Ole Miss and eventually convinced him to go to Because remember, Ole Miss and Tennessee are rivals. Ashley, how okay. many times did you watch this movie? No, this is, this is not, <laughs> no, no, this is not a movie. This is, this is in this a is this is thing. Old. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think it was the tutor who was cu- accused of being an Ole Miss booster. Oh, and okay, she okay, portrayed okay. him. She swayed him to go to yeah. Ole Miss. Well, well, one, just one quick question before we move on. How do y'all see this ending, though? Because like, who, 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 like, what side are you making sense of more? Do you it see this? It doesn't matter. Do you see this? Like, do you see them settling soon? Do you see them maybe just being able to just end the conservatorship and that and then that's what they agree on? Well, I don't think he's under or does he get his money anymore. back? No, he is. He's currently that's the in this motion. He's, he's still asking under for the conservatorship? conservatorship to be terminated. Yes. Oh, oh wow. Oh, that's then, insane. Let's I thought that I thought that it I thought it had passed. Conservatory, oh. conservativeship. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that Let the conservatorship will definitely um, be relinquished in terms of getting the money. I don't know. I mean, Brandon, I don't know if you have more insight on how something like this works, but I mean, you can sue somebody for X amount of money, but it doesn't mean you're gonna get it. Like right. if they don't yeah. have it to yeah. give, you know That's what right. I mean? That's like right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think Corey's on to something. Let's see the documentary. Yeah. I'll watch that. <laughs> he said, we'll watch that. All right, moving on. Oh no, on. I'm no, stand ahead, corrected, I'm sorry. Saying. The Tui's are all Miss alumni. They are? Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. No, I mean, a situation we're definitely gonna be keeping up with, but um, moving on, we're gonna go into some football. Uh, so we saw some big names sign some contracts yesterday. The Jets, they found them a new running back. Ashley, yeah, I know we uh, we got some details as to what that contract is. Dalvin Cook dive into it. is officially a New York Jet. It's probably the worst kept secret in the NFL. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were just waiting for this to happen. But he signed a one-year deal up to $8.6 million with the New York Jets. I think everybody kind of anticipated this was going to happen when Aaron Rodgers restructured his deal to give the Jets a little bit more money to go ahead and play around with. Dalvin Cook did, I believe, appear at Dolphins training camp, but he got a standing ovation at Jets training camp. And again, this was a worst kept secret. I think people thought it was just a matter of time before he joined the New York Jets, the New Jersey Jets, whatever you want to call them. Um, I think this is a good move. I think that, you know, Aaron Rodgers as... Um, Brandon likes to go ahead and say one of the best throwers or the best thrower of the football we've ever seen. So it's going to be a lot of a passing game from the New York Jets. But I think that whenever you have somebody, a quarterback of Aaron Rodgers' age, you want to go ahead and try to relieve some pressure off of him if you can. And I think that's where the run game is going to come into play. Dalvin Cook is your guy. And also, Dalvin Cook is a type of running back that we're talking about with these new guys getting paid. He's a hybrid. Dalvin Cook can go ahead and catch a football with his hands. He has good hands. Um, so they're definitely going to use him as a running back, wide receiver hybrid. Yeah. The Jets are looking like the the Avengers at this point. Ashley, <laughs> Ashley <laughs> seeing, seeing how much money uh, they gave him, were you shocked at this? You know, given the whole discuss this, this the discussion that we had all summer around the running back position. No, because again, Dalvin Cook is a hybrid. Yeah. 
Um, I think that if this were, you know, we're going to talk about Zeke and in, in, in the next conversation, but that would be a little bit more surprising. Right. Um, because Zeke is a traditional running back, but um, Dalvin Cook's not that guy. If you don't run him, you can go ahead and utilize him, you know, for some routes, for some short passes, things like that. He will nine times out of ten catch that football. So it yeah. makes sense for the type of guy that you're getting in Dalvin Cook. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, so we're moving on to this next running back. I mean, like, cause how much does this elevate the New York Jets, though? Like, are they? I mean, we already knew they were a contender, but like, where are they now with the, with adding someone like Dalvin Cook? Like dude? I said, they're the Avengers. They. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know. If, I didn't know if B wanted to chime in on that too, cause I mean, this this is Jets team, but now we can move on. J E T F. <laughs> Listen, y'all know how yeah. I feel. You you know how I feel about the Jets. Uh, you know, I think Ashley hit it on the head. I do think they're going to use him more um, in the run game, Ashley, obviously. Um, you know, when you talked about Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball, mm-hmm. it's like the discussion that we had yesterday with Dak. Like, can Aaron Rodgers go out there and put up MVP numbers, you know, go for almost 5,000 yards, absolutely throw 40 touchdowns? Absolutely. We've seen him do that. He went back-to-back as MVP. But I don't think that's the formula. That's the recipe to win a Super Bowl. If it was, they would have won more Super Bowls in Green Bay. I think they've underperformed. They 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 underutilized Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Like, how do you have Ashley? Yes, the best throw of the football that we have ever seen. Patrick Mahomes is challenging that, and you win one Super Bowl. How in a soft division? The Vikings, the Lions, the, the Bears. Bears. Oh Even when I was there, yeah, I'm, I'm saying like, no disrespect. I was there. I loved it, but like, you know. They, they owned the division. Like, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick owned their division for so many, 20 years. Sure. Yeah. So, I think the recipe is, look, we got this phenomenal defense. That is the bloodline. Let's not get it twisted. Aaron Rodgers comes in. He's going dink and dunk. He's going to manage the game. He'll make big plays. But it's going to be a more balanced approach. That's continuity football. So that's what I expect, Corey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's see what you guys expect from this next running back because Ezekiel Elliott has found a new home. Mm. The longtime Dallas Cowboys running back spent his first seven seasons there, is now a Patriot, and he's back <laughs> in his old number too. That was a big thing with him. He wanted to get back into that 1-5. So he's sporting that New Jersey, and he signed a one-year deal with the Patriots up to worth up to $6 million. So, um, you know, we talked about that eight million being a good number for Dalvin Cook. How do you feel that six million is for for a guy like Zeke? Uh, you know, Ashley, when I when I look at this, I think this is a perfect fit. The Patriots are just sitting there. It's like, what is happening with the Patriots? The Buffalo Bills. You know, I, I don't think that they're going to take a step forward. If anything, they'll take a step back. But they're real contenders. This is a really good team. Um, some question marks around certain situations there. The Jets, phenomenal offseason. I mean, has anyone had a better uh, last four or five months than a, or three to four months than the Jets? I don't think so. And then you have the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins, for real, if Tua stays healthy, and we all keep saying that, they're real contenders. And the biggest acquisition this entire offseason was Vic Fangio. Like, Vic Fangio, being that defensive coordinator, um, unbelievable. Like, I played against this guy in so many different teams in so many different situations. He's one of the best to ever do it. So I think that, you know, this whole division is scary. Now you add Ezekiel Elliott, right? It's telling you what type of football they want to play. Like, Bill Belichick is always going to have a a sophisticated defense, a bend-but-don't-break defense. You know, they may give up some yardage, but they're not going to give up a lot of points all the time, right? Now if you have... You know, a, a running game 
with Mac Jones with a now an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, and a special teams coach to call it. Ashley, I, I don't know. Can this team be a, a dark horse? Could they be it? <laughs> Yo, I, you got to think of It's Bill Belichick. It's Bill. You don't like I it? I just... Just know, Zeke, they won't love you how we loved you. <laughs> it just is tough that. to see. I think Ashley's there. a little salty, huh? I'm, I'm just, I'm not salty. I'm happy that Zeke, you know, is getting paid. I'm happy that he worked that out. I'm just, I'm just sad. Like, yeah. I just, I, I honestly, they're just, sad. no, <laughs> I am. They're, listen, the business of the NFL, players come and go. But Brandon, you and I both know this. There are just some players that like you envision when you envision a team. Right. Mm -hmm. There are some players that like you don't envision ever leaving, that you envision like staying there. And I know the business of the NFL that gets less and less likely every single year with right. the moving and the money. But when I thought of the Dallas Cowboys, Zeke was like one of the first people that would always come into my mind. So mm -hmm. like seeing him in a jersey that's not the Dallas Cowboys is gonna be, not seeing him with the star in the helmet is gonna be weird. Like mm -hmm. he, I envision the Dallas Cowboys when I think of him. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I don't know, I'm happy for him, but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sad. Okay, can you answer yeah. my question now? Sure, what's the question? Do you think that, you know, the New England Patriots enter into this realm of dark horse? Dark horse. There's always one team every single year that comes out of nowhere. I and it's crazy to say this, you know, uh, uh, about a Bill Belichick-led team. Mm -hmm. But Jacksonville Jaguars came out of nowhere last year. Detroit Lions came out of nowhere last year. Could they beat a team, Ashley? I don't think so. Um, I, I mean, look at that division first and foremost. Like they're not even they're the la I, I I'm gonna I think it's a safe thing to say like they're last in that division. Yeah. Like they're not. Uh, I look at the Jets, I look at the Dolphins, I look at the Bills. Like, you really think they stand a chance against any of those teams as currently you know, constructed? I, I, here's what I would say. Be, be for real. I'm being honest okay, with you. Okay, be for real. Uh, you never know in football. No, 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 that's a cop out, Brandon. That's a cop out, Brandon. Yes, I would say yes. Yeah. You, I would say yes. You, 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 you because really of Bill Belichick. That. Because of Bill Belichick. Oh, come on. Who can they finish, who can they like, finish before in that division? Well, it's not about finishing before. It's just like competition. It's hard to win a game in the National Football League. It's really hard. And a lot of it comes down to coaching. That's why Bill Belichick, he always says this, right? Like if you talk to like Julian Edelman, Tom Brady, you know, it's like, yo, tell me a little bit about Bill Ch Belichick and why you guys are so good. This thing will come up all the time. And it, it doesn't matter who you sit down with. Yo, he's always going to say, they'll fuck it up. What does that mean? Do your job and they will F it up, right? Just do your job. He's always putting you in position. When you talk about um, situational football, he's the one that coined that. He's the one that actually created that. Guys, coaches wasn't going out there looking at, oh, let's, uh, let's, let's score or not score right before the half because now we're going to get the ball coming. Like, he's the one that did that. Four-minute offense. Now, really sophisticated with two-minute defense and two-minute offense. So, for that reason, Ashley, I think he's always going to be in position. Now, it's a different discussion. If they go out there and they truly fold, we may be talking about maybe it was Tom Brady. But I'm just not buying that yet. I'm not buying it. I personally don't believe that the Bill Belichick magic, the Bill Belichick effect, whatever you want to call it, is going to be enough to combat those other three teams in that division. The Jets look phenomenal. 
the Bills, a really good football team, even with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and their and their love and their lovers quarrel. The Miami Dolphins, yes, Jalen Ramsey is down. Yes, Tua is a question mark. But that's a really okay, good football right, now, now watch team. This, now watch like, this. What are the, uh, how do the how did the Patriots even compete with right. any of the things that I just mentioned? I, I love that. Woo, really quickly before I respond to Ashley, can you look up Josh Allen's record against the Patriots? I, it, he may may be a winner. I'm not sure. But here's what I would say. Could the spotlight be too big for my Jets? Some teams is like that, right? I don't think, and I'll be honest, how I feel, I think they'll be able to um, overcome the, the biggest stage in media, sports media, and that's, you know, New York. But there could be some guys that get big-headed. There could be some guys that fold under pressure. I think the defensive line is going to be fine. So the Jets is can you handle the pressure? Mm-hmm. It's Super Bowl or bust. Can you handle the big stage, the big lights? Everybody's going to be there every single day after practice. The Buffalo Bills. What's do you have it? Yes. What is it? It's f- actually five and four. He's he's win- he's five and four. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Buffalo Bills. Great. Josh Allen has a winning record against Bill Belichick, but the Buffalo Bills. Ashley, you know what I'm gonna say? They lose Leslie Frazier, their defensive coordinator. Okay. Have a similar defense, Ben, but don't break type defense. Really good. They got the pass game, the pass rush going last year. Mm-hmm. They added Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller's going to be back, but Leslie Frazier isn't. And then on the offensive side, it seems like the marriage is back on track between Josh Allen and, 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 and Diggs. Um, but you lost who? You lost Brian Dayball. This is your second year without Brian Dayball. You saw them take a little dip and a little hit last year. Is it going to be good enough? I think that Bill Belichick is good enough to outcoach them. I mm. really do. Mm. Now, the now you're talking about the Miami Dolphins. This is their second year, Ashley. Okay, so now everybody has the book on Coach McDaniel, right? Everybody the first year. Wildcat come out, take the league by storm. This new wrinkle, Sean uh, McVay out in L.A. And then it's like, oh, the, everybody get it. So... I do think Bill Belichick has a chance. I want to give you another scenario because you're always talking about the, the the will of an athlete, the one guy, the one guy lives and dies with this guy. Where would you put Mac Jones in the ranking of the quarterbacks in that division? E, uh, I would put him. And be last. honest. I would be last. It'd be last. <laughs> okay. But can we. Last. He had, but Ashley, think about this. He had. A defensive coordinator and Matt yeah. Patricia right. and the guy, whoever was coaching the Giants a year and a half ago, special team coach that should have never been a head coach, as his offensive coordinators. It, Can the, you at least give the guy grace? I will give him that, but I'm when we're looking at just strictly talent, we're looking right. at strictly football IQ, field awareness, he is last. Oh, oh no, I won't do that. I'm just saying as far as production – and to start to their who career. Would you put, who would you put him I ahead mean, of? I mean, I wouldn't say that his awareness, uh, his accuracy so, is, is, is so far <laughs> is so far behind a Tua. Rank him. Okay, I'm going, uh, <laughs> I'm going, um, I'm going, uh, what's our guy? Aaron Rodgers. Okay. One. Okay. Josh okay. Allen, two. Got it. Right. Okay. And then when you're talking about just attributes, if you put Mac Jones with Coach McDaniel, 
I think he has a successful year. So I think they're right there. They're neck and neck. This year is going to tell the story because now he has what? An offensive coordinator in Bill O'Brien. He's not with McDaniel, so it doesn't matter. So no. right now, <laughs> where would you put him? Is he right, right now, he's fourth. Up? He's Back. fourth. Okay, so listen, he Mac Jones is the fourth quarterback in the division. Right. The Patriots, in terms of the team, where they're looking, how they're looking against the other teams in that division, are fourth. Okay. And you think that both of those things don't matter, that Bill Belichick can still go ahead and make this team better than any of the others okay. in the division. Let me put it like this. Let me let me talk a little basketball, and I'll let you jump in here, Wu. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go I was ahead. just going to let you know, because I wanted to go. give you some stats. So Tua is actually 4-0, but we know Tua a couple years in the league. And then um, Aaron Rodgers is 2-2 two and two against the Patriots. Okay, that's great. Thank so, you. Right. Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick is – so let's put it this way. Okay. Steve Kerr, you are the only person in the whole wide world that picked the Golden State Warriors to win another championship. You picked the exact year, the right year. You were the only one. There's some people chatting, some people talking. Okay, they went out and did. They went out and did it. They were done. They were toast. Everybody wrote them off. Everybody in the basketball world wrote the Golden State Warriors off. Clay, uh, KD goes away, right? He jumps ship. Clay goes down. He comes back. He goes down again. Who would have thought? But guess what? Old coaching. Ashley, why did you pick the Golden State Warriors? I know Steph Curry, great. Phenomenal. Draymond Green, did you pick him because Draymond Green? Did you pick him because of a, a comeback kid in Clay? Why did you pick them? Brandon, <laughs> you cannot compare the dynasty of the Golden State Warriors I'm with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. The last championship. It is still a dynasty with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Three Hall of Famers, let's be honest. With Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. Well, what I'm it's saying not is the Bill same Belichick. Thing. Bill Belichick. And so if, if that was Bill a dynasty, Belichick, what you call I, it? I, I don't believe in this whole narrative that it's Tom Brady who made Bill Belichick. I think Bill Belichick is a genius. I would never take that away from him. But you also have to look at the landscape of the division that he is in. The team may not be atrocious. I will give you that. I don't right. think they're going to be a bottom-of-the-barrel team. But when you say they're a contender, a I didn't contender. say a contender. I didn't yes, say you that. did. No. <laughs> did I say contender? I don't know if those are no, the exact No, I didn't say contender. I said black, uh, uh, dark, a dark horse. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A dark, dark horse, a dark horse like, for what? Dark, dark horse meaning like like the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Can they be a problem? Like, you know can, they, can they be a problem? Somebody who can gives they, people problems yeah, and yeah. Yeah. Can, they, can they upset a team in the regular season? Uh, sure. No, no, like, no, they, the, no. Dark horse is Detroit Lion year they have, you know? Uh, the Last Jacksonville the Seahawks. Jaguars. Seahawks. What a Seahawks. Yep. You yep. So? Yeah. Kinda. Uh, but there were some uh, better dark horses. So that's that. So we can look, agree or disagree. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> um, guys, so Ashley, you um you 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 took us through the done deal of um Dalvin Cook. Mm -hmm. Then we jumped to another running back, right? We were waiting. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott also came off the board yesterday. A few big transactions yesterday. Yep. Um so he's there. And you had another one. We have another done deal. You guys know who it is. Did you guys get on Twitter? Did you guys read the headlines? I yes. did. <laughs> it's Zach Martin. Done Yay! deal. So before I jump into, like, you know, the backstory or what type of deal he got, the extension that he got, this is the power, okay, that and the leverage that we have as athletes. I say we. I know I'm retired. You know, maybe I'm reminiscing a little bit. But I, every time I get an opportunity on this platform to talk about it, I'm going to talk about it. He was fined forty thousand dollars a day. Mm, okay, a lot of cash. That's probably six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars that he can't get back, right? 
he can't get that back. Well, the team can't get it back. So I don't know if there's any other loophole. So no, the team cannot, they cannot give that money back. Okay. Okay. So he lost that. Yeah. So this shows us if you're willing to get uncomfortable, hold out, hold in, you could potentially get what you want. So you look at Saquon Barkley. He panics. He says, you know what? I'm going back right now. I got to get there before camp. Could he have potentially lost out on, on, on a better deal? I think so. Because here's the deal. Like, there's a crazy pipeline. And this is why the NFL owners, they operate the way they operate because they're like, you know what? There's going to be another one. There's going to be another one. But when you're a superstar, when you're a Zach Martin, and you've played nine years in the NFL, and six of them you've been named all pro, and everybody has done that for the Dallas Cowboys, have made it to the Hall of Fame, you have all the leverage in the world. Because guess what? If they don't pay you, somebody else will. And so what, he, what did he do? Because he had no leverage. Two years left on his deal, woo. What did he do? He said, you know what? My services aren't available. You don't think Jerry Jones, who's pushing 105, wants to win a Super Bowl before it's all said and done? He wants to. But Jerry Jones comes out there what? He has the face on. Look at how they operate. Hey, we can't pay him. He's made a lot of money since he's been here. We've taken care of him. We got to save that money for Micah Parsons. That's what he said publicly. That was strong. Ashley, was it not? I was like, damn, Jerry Jones dug in. Zach Martin ain't getting this deal. I even came out last a week or two ago and said, he's so dug in, I think like he won't get his deal. He might just retire and just sit the year out. I do remember you saying that. I said that. Because yeah. Jerry Jones was so strong. But Zach just said he, he held strong. And guess what happened? You think uh, Dak had anything to do with this? I was going to say the same thing. He could have. Dak was celebrating he on could've. his Instagram story. He could have. He could have. But he held out. I'm speaking to the athletes right now. I'm speaking to the parents who have athletes, you know, right now and may have a future and it's a small percent. Don't bank on it. But this is, guy, this is what you got to do. You are a walking commodity. You are a walking corporation. And when you're a superstar and you don't give them your services, they'll end up panicking. Because what they did is they changed the rules and said, you know what? We're going to fine you. And the teams can't give it back. Because back in a, a couple years ago, that's what they were doing. A couple years ago, they were saying, you know what? You know, I'm a holdout. And then the teams, once they get a deal done, or once you come back and you don't get a deal done, they say, you know what? We'll forgive you. We're not going to take that million dollars that accumulated in fines. We're not going to do that. The league stepped in. Mm. Okay? Mm. So, I just wanted to share that message and now say this. He gets his extension. You know, he goes from being eighth uh, uh, as like one of the, you know, eighth highest paid uh, guards to now he's right at three behind two guards. One's making 20.5. The other's making 20. He's right there making 18. So, what they did is they gave him $9 million in new money. He was scheduled to make like 13, 14, now he's making, you know, what, 18 this year. So this is a really good deal uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, a really good deal for Zach Martin, and shout out to him for standing his ground and holding out and getting what he wanted. And he said it came down to him flying down and having a one-on-one -on -one with Jerry Jones. They had a discussion in Oxford, California, and they got the deal done. So the deal is done, guys. Deal is done. Deal, deal is, is done. done. Good well, job, Well, I'll tell you, Ashley. there's a deal out there that still isn't done. 
right? And oh God. that is Nikki Bosa. So Nikki Bosa, I, I say Nikki because you know we go way back. St. Thomas. Did you y'all play alum. together? Yeah. We did. We did. Yeah. Oh. Tell the people. Three years. Hold on, tell me. That's what we want to know. I know. I know. That sounded really personal, right? That sounded too personal. No, that's what we want to hear. But yeah, no, Nikki Bosa. I went. I went to St. Thomas Aquinas with Nikki. Played with him for three years. The boy's been a man child his whole life. Not a man child. Give us a story. Give us a story. When did you know he was a man child? It was really in his true freshman year. He was one of few. That's not a compliment, by the way, being a What's man that? child. That's, you said it's not a compliment. Why? When, a girl, calls you, when a girl football? calls you a man child, it's not a compliment. Oh, well, Maybe it, it means something indifferent in football terms. Yeah, for, for yeah, men, it, we yeah, man oh, child. Being called a man yeah. child by a woman yeah. is an insult. Well, what does about that mean? This. It basically immature? means you're grown, but you're immature, like you're oh, a child. Really? Well, yeah. now this is what we mean by man child. So Nikki Bosa is what, 14 years old, like 13 years old when you're coming out coming out of middle 15, school? 14, 15. 14, 15. No, well, you're 14. Come into high school. Yeah, 15. Some some are thirteen, turning fourteen. No, you're like yeah, thirteen. Like, no, yeah. not, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Fifteen. Yeah. Nah, fifteen's like your sophomore year. Yeah, Brandon. I don't know. I don't know. Seventeen. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's get back. <laughs> on the yeah, anyways, <laughs> I mean, just imagine this. Nikki's fourteen years old and he's manhandling like you know seniors that are going to Damn. actual universities, like Power Five universities. So yeah, no, him and Joey both. I actually played with both. I played th three years with both. Believe it or not. What? Well, not That's three fine. years with with Nikki. It was only the. Um, it might have been two with Nikki, three with Joey. It's both. killing me. How Who's he's better? Who's better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. Who's better? Look at the rankings, man. Look at look at the rankings, at, bro, and, and that's us, all I'm going to say. Give us an answer, bro. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, they're they're pretty accurate. They're pretty accurate. I'm just going to say that. But they're both dogs, though. Jay, you dogs. just give us the answer. Who's better? Or who was better in high this school? Who's a politician, hey, man? Nikki. 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 Okay. Just give down. But Joey's a dog, though, man. Like, they, well, I don't even know why y'all made me do that. <laughs> all right, <laughs> so we got done deal, done but, deal, done deal. But Nikki's is not a done deal, right? So different from Nick Martin, he's on his rookie contract, so he's being fined. $40,000 each day he misses well. Different from Nicky Martin, though, like I mentioned, he's on his rookie contract. If they do end up signing him to a long-term contract, all of those fines will be waived. No, he's, they won't. They, yeah, yeah, because he, he's on a rookie contract. Really? Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, that's that's mm. like the difference between his situation and Nick Martin's situation. And right now, I mean, and this Zach is Zach Martin. You said what? Zach Martin. Did I say Nick? My, yep. my apologies. Yeah. Um, well, his so his base salary is at seventeen point eight million dollars, right? So for him missing the first preseason game that the 49ers had, he's gonna be fined a million dollars, basically. Damn. So it, it, yeah, it'd Whoa. be you know it'd, it'd on benefit top him of the, on top of the six hundred, seven hundred thousand that he's already that he was fined, that he's already accumulated with the days that he's missed in mm -hmm. camp. The 49ers they've already signed USFL sack leader Breland Speaks, you know, amid this holdout. So. I mean, where? So, how are you looking at this 49ers team if they don't have a guy like Nicky Bosa? How much? They don't win change? a Super Bowl. Mm. It's 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 as simple as that. Like I love Kyle Shanahan. I've said this several times. He's the reason why I got drafted. He called his dad uh, Mike Shanahan, the legend, and said, "Draft this kid. If you don't, I'm not coming home for Christmas." <laughs> Literally, he said that. Right? Yeah, yeah. He said it on our show. And so, like, I love Kyle. I love what they have. They have depth on the defensive side. They have depth on the defensive line. But there's guys like that that win you the Super Bowl. Yeah. This is Aaron Donald, and that's why he's in this position and deal's not done because he's saying if Aaron Donald goes out there and, and look this up for me, well, I think he's making $30 million. Like Aaron Donald was out there saying, I'm the best in the NFL. Why aren't I getting quarterback money? That's why that deal took long. They said, you know what? We're not going to do that. Don't even try it. But we will make you the highest paid behind the quarterbacks, right? $30 million. So what do you think Nick wants? Or Nikki, Nikki, Nika, Nika. What do you call him? Nika? Nikki. Nikki. <laughs> what do you think he wants? Right? Yeah. Dog, like if you go back to that Super Bowl run, Ashley, Aaron Donald, if he's not on that field, if he's not on that team, they're they're not they're they're they they may be 
a little bit above 500. And just so you know, I got Aaron Donald at a little over 31 Oof. and a half million per Oof. year. So almost 32 million a year. Jeez. Oof. Oof. So that, that, you know, listen, uh, they'll get this done. Yeah, for sure. They'll get it done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on actually into some basketball stuff, right? So, I mean, we were talking about James Harden yesterday. You know, he had came out and, and said what he said about Daryl Morey. Well, the latest is that P.J. Tucker and Joel Embiid have kind of, you know, made, made you know, how they feel about the situation. No, P.J. Tucker, I'll start with him. He's standing by James Harden. Yesterday on Instagram, he took to his page and said, hey, I'm not an acrobat. I'm not flipping all my bros, a.k.a. I'm standing by James Harden throughout this whole situation. Mm. So right here on the left, it kind of gives you a rundown, basically, of the last 24 hours. But the latest in this situation, I, I would say I want to, you know, relate it completely to the James Harden situation. But Joel Embiid removed Philadelphia, Pennsylvania from his social media bio. And we know he's also a guy who's been vouching to trust the process and processing has been in his social media bio. Well, he removed that, too. So, he's so not processing anymore. Well, it's, it's still not in processing. his. It's still in his um he's banner though. In his banner. Yeah, it's but it was out of his, out of his out of his bio. I mean, yeah, he, but it says process in giant letters in his banner on social yeah. media. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, well, but, what but it's make? interesting yeah, to go from the process to the to processing. Let me sit back and watch what they're doing. Mm -hmm. How this messy situation is going to roll out? Ashley, you keep bringing up uh, Michael Rubin's party. They're all there having a great time. You think everything's going to be fine? And then now he moves that down. That's a big deal, Ashley. Well, this, I mean, the support of Joel Embiid and P.J. Tucker makes me, I know yesterday I said it was one or two things. It was a trade situation or it was a money situation. The support of P.J. Tucker and Joel Embiid makes me believe it's a money situation. You said that most yesterday. Of the, most mm -hmm. of the time, you know, players will stay out of trade talks with other players, especially if they're remaining in the city that the player wants to be traded from. This situation makes me think that it was a money um, dispute. I would be willing to guess that James Harden takes less money under the promise that he will get compensated the following season. He had um, Maury's word that he would do that for him. And those negotiations, for whatever reason, have fallen through. He's not owning his end of the bargain, their verbal bargain, whatever the case may be. And James Harden is rubbed the wrong way by it. Also, I mean, you look at what Kyrie said to Woj when Woj said that um, James Harden was disgruntled. And he basically said, is he disgruntled or is he unhappy about being misled through contract negotiations? So... That seems what the more feasible situation is at this point. And if that is the case, and that's what this does come down to, Daryl Morey is shady because you promise somebody something that if they go ahead and help the team, that you'll help them mm -hmm. on the back end, and then you don't. I mean, this is not the first time that we've heard a story about this, about Daryl Morey. We've heard about this when I believe it was Chris Paul, yep. when he was dealing with him and when it was in Houston. Um We've heard about this situation during the Ben Simmons saga. I mean, there's multiple players who with, have with, had issues with Daryl Morey Chris, at some point in time, and now this is another one. Didn't Chris Paul come out, Ashley, and it was, you know, Daryl Morey sat down with him and said, we're not going to trade you, and like three days later he traded him? Wasn't yeah, that the situation? Yeah, Daryl Morey told Chris Paul. Chris, <laughs> Paul, Chris Paul tells the story that Daryl Morey told him that um, he wasn't going to be traded, and then within that week, he was traded. That's crazy. So, Ashley, here's yeah. this is this is how I look at it, right? Um, 
You know, you know, I, I put James Harden on my uh, messy list. I don't know why you put me on my own messy list. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm up there with the likes of the game and 50 Cent and Donald Trump. Okay, and, well, I didn't put you up there with Trump. <laughs> well, I mean, he's top five I for mean, sure. He's probably one. Yeah. But look, I have James up there. Okay, and 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 so the, the how I see this playing out. Daryl Morey gets fired. Mm. They have to let him go. Like, what do we have you for? Mm. So what do we have you for? Right? So not only did you run out your, your best friend in James Harden, Joel Embiid, the process, has, was processing. He processed. He downloaded. Now he's <laughs> going to probably ask to be moving. Like, it's time to go. Yeah. Right? Come trade deadline. I don't know what they'll do, but maybe he's on the move. And now you have P.J. Tucker, Kyrie Irving, uh, James Harden, CP3, and probably others speaking up, whether publicly or privately, saying, nah, we're not playing for him. What guys is going to come there? It's, 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 an under, it's an unattractive destination, Ashley. So why would this owner, this ownership group, keep him? You messed up the team. Yeah. You got to let him go. I would be shocked if Daryl Morey is still running this team before the season. The best thing for the 76ers is to let him go. I don't see any other players saying, yeah, I want to go to, I want to go here. Joel Embiid, he don't even want to stay there. What do they have? What's, tell me what's interesting about Philly, Ashley. Like, you, you know this basketball world. You got New York. Like, that's a, a great destination. The Knicks. Six. Right? I, I, I've never been I've been to Philly but I haven't like been there long enough to really like give a gauge on the city like I personally wouldn't live there but there's a lot of places I wouldn't live so like I may not be I wouldn't live in New Jersey for that matter um do you do, how do you do did I go too far here's the thing no I think I think here's the thing if you want to keep Joel Embiid happy because you do because Joel Embiid walks this entire operation crumbles if you want to keep Joel Embiid happy, you have to go ahead and fix the situation with, with James Harden. Because here's the thing. If James at this point, James Harden being traded is not it doesn't seem like that's an option. It doesn't seem like there's a as a market for him right now. So the only thing that you can do is go ahead and try to mend this relationship. To mend this relationship, you have to go ahead and maintain your word. By maintaining your word mm-hmm. and mending this relationship, you are also keeping and salvaging your relationship jo- with Joel Embiid. No, Ashley, that's not happening. Okay, those, those are I, the I only options. Think, no, what, I, where I, are you? I, otherwise, what I he thought sits you out. were going with it was to fix it. You keep James Harden and you let go of Daryl Morey. Like I, I don't see. I mean, like, I, I wasn't even addressing that. I mean, that's a possibility mm-hmm. for sure. But you still have to give James Harden what he wants, which is what he's owed his money. Well, I want to ask you guys this. Have y'all considered this? And a friend of mine made this point. Could this be that James Harden, it's not, he's not really looking for money, right? It's not that he doesn't really like the people in Philly or Daryl Morey, for that matter. Could it be that the, it's a play style issue? Could it be that that he just wants to no. go somewhere? Because really, in that Philadelphia offense, Joel Embiid's the primary scorer. He's the guy, right? The, uh, James Harden has taken on that facilitator role, that playmaking facilitator role. And what do we know James Harden as? I mean, we talked about it on the show yesterday. He's one of the top scorers of all time. Could it be that he wants to go back and be that guy again? He can be that guy in Philly. Can I think it takes, that, it takes that in the NBA. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think... You know, most teams that are really good and 
contenders, they have two guys that can go. So it's just about when do you go? I think that's what they absolutely need, and they didn't get it, right? And that's probably why, like, because I heard some people talking yesterday, like, Daryl Morey, like, I, I can kind of see his side, right? Because, like, okay, we made this handshake deal, and we said after this year we're going to do this, but you didn't really hold up your end of the bargain, right? Like, if James Harden went out there in the postseason and did his thing, he probably would have got the max, right? But he didn't go out there. He wanted to be the facilitator. No, bro, we need 35. Now, yeah. there was, what, one or two games where he, he dropped won. 40? Yeah. But in, in game, what was it, six he or seven, he had, like, eight points. Right. Right. Here's Can't the thing. happen. I agree. I agree. Here. It, it's it's a weird situation. Again, I don't think it's a phase-out thing because, again, if it were just James Harden wants to be traded and the 76ers aren't trading them, I don't th- trading him, I don't think he has the support of Joel Embiid and P.J. Tucker the way that he does. The, him having the support makes me think it's because he wants to remain in Philly, mm. but he wants to remain in Philly and get paid what he said, what mm. he thought that he was going to get paid or what he was promised he would get paid after taking that initial restructuring of doing that initial restructuring of this deal but on the other end of that that conversation probably happened at least the initial conversation probably happened before he disappeared in the playoffs now you saw you know maury and james harden on the balcony maybe they were rehashing that conversation and maury once again still promised him was they x y and z it didn't seem contentious it saw it seemed like they were fine do we have that photo so um, they probably had that conversation again, and Maury once again said, we're going to take care of you, we're going to take care of you. That has yet to happen, which is why he's calling him a liar. I can, though, understand the apprehensiveness of Philly to pay somebody, regardless of what they have said, who has not shown that they can be that superstar that they once were. I yeah. said this yesterday. James Harden is not – Daryl Morey's not innocent because – I don't like liars and if you're going to say if you're going to say you're going to do something then do it but James Harden's also not innocent because he has been maneuvering with the superstar mindset without superstar results and I said this and made a comparison about LeBron LeBron can have all of these demands. We call him Lee GM. We make that joke all the time. Mm-hmm. But the reason he's that delivering. he's allocated those options and that and that um responsibility is because he delivers results. He wins. He brings championships to your city. James Harden has talent, but it comes and goes when it wants to. And at the end of the day, like you are making all of these demands, but where's the ROI? Mm-hmm. Where's the where's where's the return on my investment? I'm giving you the sun, the moon, and the stars, but you're giving me vintage James Harden when you feel like it. Mm-hmm. And that's not how that works. Yeah. So it is a very weird situation, and I'm interested to see how this plays out because I can understand it from both sides. You're Astrodomus, right? <laughs> Yes. Give it to us. (laughs) I don't think that James Harden, I don't think Philly lets James Harden go. So what happens? He's going to get paid. Oh, you think he gets paid? I don't know if Daryl Morey gets fired. Come on, Ashley, you you know this. Uh, Think. Go deeper. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. BC saying he gets fired. He gets fired? He might get fired. If if it comes down to James Harden or Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey's going to go. Well, it's just a bad, to me, Ashley. You saw what happened to Steve Nash in Brooklyn. They got rid of him like a. Quick. It's just a a bad look when you have uh, players publicly and privately, not just James Harden, saying, oh, yeah, you're a liar. Right. Like now nobody wants to come. And as an owner, right, that's what you're trying to create. You want two things. You want production and you want culture. I want people all across this building, all in this building from uh, whoever is the grounds crew, 
uh, to the janitors, to our secretaries, to our executive team. I want everybody to produce, right? If I'm giving you 100000 make me a million dollars. And then you got to have culture as well. And so now when you look at this guy, Daryl Morey, like you're messing that up. That's bad ownership if you look at a guy that's creating an environment where guys don't want to come and you need guys to come. Like, you got to let them go. So if you, let's say Darren Moore is out of the picture and you are in charge of going ahead and giving James Harden a deal, giving him his money, what are you giving him? Uh, this is a tough situation. Um, I'll try to work out maybe like a, and I, and I don't, you know, excuse me, I don't have all of the basketball, um, you know, terms down, but I think you can, he can potentially get like a three year, a three year max. You would give him three years? Yeah, I would give him three years. Yeah. I would give him three years. And the reason why I would do that, I, I don't think he's a max player anymore. I don't think he uh, delivers not just, it's like off the court as well. Like I expect these guys to, to make everybody better, be pros, the leadership stuff. So I think he's lacking there. But that what's your other option? I'm not giving him three years. But what's your option, though, right? Because, listen, I will say this. If you look at James Harden, right, and because his agent came out yesterday and his agent said, don't be surprised if he wins MVP. James Harden looks in, looks like he's in phenomenal shape, right? Like, this is the, this is the is prime of the offseason. This dude the is <laughs> slim. He's lean. Yeah. So I believe his agent saying he's doing two-a-days. I believe his agent when he say he could potentially – have a big year. Just two years ago when he was in Brooklyn, before he went down, I had all of them. If K KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, if they stayed healthy, all three of them would have been in the discussion of MVP behind like uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, if I said his, his name right. So I say that, Ashley, because what is, what's the other option out there? Who do you have? Them two together, James Harden delivering? You know, and then you have a third option? You have a chance in the East. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Um, Sometimes you got to pray to pay before Andrew chimes in. I'm not giving him three years. What are you mm -hmm. going to give him? I'd give the only two options I'm giving him is I'm giving him a one year deal or I'm yeah. giving him a two year deal with a player option. Okay. I don't trust that he three years. Okay, so he changes he, okay. his mind. Okay. Like I change handbags. Cool. <laughs> like it's not cool. So here's the situation though. You you don't give him what he wants. He does this. Right now you have nothing. You lose Joel and B. He was processing. <laughs> Soon as James Harden said this, the processing stopped. I'm out of here. Take off. Pence, he wants, but he wants to get paid. You can still meet it. His he you, wants max. Does he? This is this is my problem with James Harden. You are not a max player, bro. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay. Okay. You're not a max player, bro. And until you show people that you are a max player, stop expecting max deals. This is what I'm talking about. Superstar mentality without superstar results. You can't have it like that. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to get paid. If Daryl Morey promised him a certain amount of money, he should go ahead and meet that promise. But he also has to be, and by he, I mean James Harden, has to be realistic. You okay. want, you dropping eight points in a game I know, six, I'm with game you. seven, and you want a max deal? Twin, I'm with you when you're right. I want to marry Idris Elba, but he's side. married. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> Are you like them chocolate brothers? <laughs> like, it's not how that works. <laughs> well, listen, let me put it like, let me put it to you like this, though, because I'm with you. I am with you. But you got to see it from like just a business perspective, Ashley. Who's the highest paid player in the NBA? Uh, it's right now Jalen Brown. Is he the best player in the NBA? 
Jaylen, is he even top five? Whoa, whoa, we're not gonna do this. No, because no, Jalen Brown not, produces. I'm not, what I'm not, what, <laughs> yeah. I, what I'm saying is, I'm talking about value. I'm not knocking Jalen. But he Brown. produces. What I'm saying is, if we're just going off of pure numbers, you can. If I'm, if you're an owner, you're sitting down. You're like, how can I pay you more than Steph Curry? He produces. How can I pay you more than KD? How can I pay you more well, than the LeBron? How changes, can I pay you more than Joker? The mm. market changes. He was eligible for the a super max. He got the super max because that's what the market allocated at this point in time. But we can not sit here and compare Jalen yes, Brown and James Harden. They give you drastically different results. I, I, no, I, I would love James Harden to give me a fraction no, of what Jalen Brown I, I agree gives with consistently. You, but what I'm saying is Jalen Brown was in a perfect situation because you're right. This is the market. Mm-hmm. And he's, he got exactly that 300 something million dollar deal. But he's not worth more than KD, LeBron, Joker, and there's a few others, right? But he got exactly what he does what he should have gotten because of the market and so what i'm saying with james harden his market he has the leverage in philly because there's no alternative what's your alternative so if i'm an owner i'm like damn shit i feel just the way you feel ashley but i'm looking at this like he, he got me so i gotta i gotta suck pause suck it up for the next three years i really do and just and just pray pray that he comes in shape like he looks now in china mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What was it that you had, Andrew? So, <laughs> I, this was a little earlier in the conversation, mm-hmm. but I wanted to ask you guys how you felt about this. So I looked into Daryl Morey's uh, salary. He makes yeah. $10 million annually. So I looked into the GM salary for like regular, like every GM. Your guy, Bob Myers, made $8 million. Pat Riley makes eleven. So what is, what is this value that he's... He's like known. He's he, top five paid. He, he's known. Daryl Morey is uh, known to be a, a, a willer diller. Wheeler right. and dealer. <laughs> he's known to do that, right? Okay. So, like, he's very creative. Um, he's forward thinking. Um, there, he has a lot of res- re- he had a lot of respect in the NBA, right? I know he had the challenges. Was it with the China thing with Hong Kong, Hong which Kong. Was, makes it even funnier that <laughs> James Harden knew his audience. Uh, right. That I will give the man credit. He knew his Break it audience. Down for him, Ashley. Okay, so it was. Let me go ahead and get the. the, the it was 2019 when Maury um, had tweeted in support of the Hong Kong Hong Kong protests. Um, drawing criticisms from the Rockets owner at the time who said that Maury was um, the best general manager in the NBA and the Rockets were not a political organization. Um, so they basically, it, his tweet resulted in the Chinese Basketball Association suspending its relationship with the Rockets and also not allowing any Rockets games to be televised, things like that. And also at the time of the tweet, Maury and the Rockets were in Tokyo for the NBA's Japan games, and he remained isolated. They threatened the NBA as well. They threatened the NBA. It was this whole thing. So that's why James Harden <laughs> making the statement <laughs> in China Pretty was ironic. just like prime trolling yeah, and knowing him. your audience because they hate him over there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's he, like you think going. He thought into- about that. Absolutely. If you are if you are petty, you you plan all things messy, out. Messy, I told you. If you're you. messy, petty, you plan every step out. So he basically He's very intentional there. Basically went in there to a room. Imagine going into a room full of people that hate the same person that you currently have beef with, yeah. and just like roasting him that's exactly what he knew i'm surprised the audience didn't start clapping and cheering no a couple did no a standing ovation like it was it's he's that hated over there so yeah he knew his audience i give him credit for that 
Poor Nick Nurse, huh? First year head coach for the yeah. 76ers this year. It's yeah, wild. we'll see how he's able to navigate that drama. But you're listening to Paper Route on Sirius XM, Faction Talk Channel 103. What we're going to do is take a break real quick. When we come back, we're going to talk about Stephen A. Smith. He was a guest on the podcast P. And he had an interesting take on the relationship between athletes and reporters. So mm. we'll hit that when we come back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. So as I said before the break, Stephen A. Smith, he was on Paul George's podcast, Podcast P, and they were kind of just having a conversation about, you know, the relationship between reporters and athletes. Paul George even gave his own account. But Stephen A. Smith, you know, shared his thoughts really on that relationship. Let's take a listen. Did you know that if a reporter walks up, let's say, for example, Paul George is, yo, man, I think I'm worth $50 million. I want this contract. And then you're struggling. Do you know that if that reporter goes up to you and doesn't ask you about that, the editor's like, come here. Why do I have you on the beat? You going home. You got to understand that everybody has a job to do. A lot of times, particularly if it's a beat writer and it's somebody that's in that locker room after every game and is talking, is cultivating a relationship with you, they know you, so the last thing they want to do is come up to you and ask you that question. They have no choice because their job is on the line. And no matter how bad your game was that day, your contract guaranteed. And it's for a gazillion times more than that journalist made. You know, you got cats that, and they're going to remain nameless as players because I'm not going to do that to them. But when I went hard on a couple of superstar players, I happen to know for a fact they tried to get a couple of journalists fired. And it's because the journalists asked them about something that they were hearing. And they brought up the brother. But when Woes reported it, or Shams reported it, you ain't say shit. <laughs> now, see, that's when Stephen A., now that, that Bronx, that Queens dude comes out. 
Oh, so we gonna call a brother out making 75, 85, maybe 100,000 that they can wipe off the map in a heartbeat and you fucking know it. And you would do that to him. But the white dude, whoa, champs, whatever. And I, and I work, Woj and I have a good relationship, respect the hell out of him. He's the ultimate insider, stuff like that. Shams does a great job as well. I'm not, I'm not throwing no shade on right, them. Right, right, right. I'm saying, I'm watching the athlete. You said nothing. You said nothing. Stephen A. had something to say, didn't he, Ashley? What are your thoughts on this? Um. Okay, we'll go to me first. <laughs> I was, was going to pass the rock to Brandon first, but that's okay. Pass it to him here. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. No, don't bat pass it back. back. <laughs> I'm going to catch it. Go. Pass it back. Pass it back. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll say this. Um, Stephen A. Smith is evolving. Okay. I like Stephen A. Smith. Um Never forget being on, and here's my disclaimers for what I'm about to say. It ain't going to be harsh or nothing like that. I, if I call him right now, if he's not on the air, he may pick up. If he if he don't, he'll call me back. When I first got on FS1 a couple years ago, I was doing, you know, a daily show. And, you know, we were on right before first take. You know, he would call me maybe once every two months and be like, yeah, I like this. Why you, why you let him do you like this? You should have blah, blah, blah. Like, a lot of respect for, for the OG. He sat on our podcast. You see him showing love to other guys. Uh, Mason Cam sat down with uh, uh, Paul George, right? That's a lot of love. I say that because there's... It's like a watershedding moment happening in media. Stephen A, like, there's a lot of athletes that feel some type of way about Stephen A, Right? You got to have thick skin listening to Stephen A. If you're an athlete and you're not balling or you get in trouble, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm saying that because, like, I, I see Stephen A. evolving, trying to get with the times. Like, I'll say I, I, ESPN is dying. You know, like, they'll always win from a, a, a live game standpoint, right? Like, you got to have big pockets. You know, that's a that's a different game. But athletes rather go to Paul. People rather sit down with uh, Paul George. Then go to ESPN and talk about the same thing. Or, you know, all the smoke, et cetera, et cetera. So you see Stephen A, like, he wearing chains. Stephen A is 55 years old. <laughs> what are you wearing diamond chains and shades and, you know, the way he's talking? Like, we, when have we ever heard him curse? He can't curse, you know, at ESPN. So I like what he's doing, right, because he has to evolve so he doesn't die like all these other traditional outlets and all this traditional uh, 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 BS, the way we've been covering athletes and sports for a very long time. So I know I didn't really answer the question, but I just I look at this because I'm studying how people are moving, whether it's networks and, and talent. They trying to get with the times. And that's what I see from Stephen A, whether he's on other people's podcasts, he's doing his own thing with First Take, because, you know, there's a lot we can say about them as well. A lot of people in chat are saying ESPN is a dying breed. Yeah, it is. A lot of people. Yeah. It's the fact of the matter. It is. It is. I, a lot of respect for them. They still do a phenomenal job. I think a lot of us, even myself, still watch, you know, parts of it. You know, but there's other people doing some cool things. We have YouTube now. You got YouTube. Hell, you can start your own sports show, right? Today. And build your own audience. That's a, that's mm -hmm. beautiful. I could do it today. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. right, right. <laughs> He's on to you. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> yeah, I think... He, Stephen A. does have a, a good point. I think that 
I've always been somebody who, like I say on this show all the time, I think within the realms of the game, anything goes. I think when talking to athletes, talking about athletes, if you stay within the realms of the game and, and you don't venture outside of that, it's free game. And, you know, it's part of the job. I think that athletes are people, you know, so there's sensitivities and then there's you had a bad game and somebody's calling it out or there's a rumor that's, you know, going around and someone asks you about it. I can understand the frustration and I can understand the unwillingness to want to talk about certain things in certain moments, but I've never been someone who likes when athletes take it personally when it's really just within the realms of the game. I'm somebody who is an advocate for don't call people out of their names, don't talk about their families, don't talk about things that have nothing to do with what they produce on the court, what happens in the locker room, what happens in the arena. It's none of your business, mind your business. But when we're talking about things that pertain to the sport that you play in multiple aspects, whether you like it or you don't like it, you have to talk about it. Mm. And it's always been a little mm, like, come on now, like I, I get it, but you like, I get not wanting to talk about it. But like Stephen A. said, some of these guys are not. A lot of these reporters in these press conferences in the locker room are not on massive salaries. They're not on. They don't have contracts. Stephen A. has a contract, so if ESPN wants to fire him, they got to buy him out. Mm-hmm. Um. There, there's beat writers aren't making eight million dollars a year. Beat writers are making fifty k and up, maybe if they're lucky. Mm-hmm. So, so that's their job. Their that job requires a soundbite. If they don't get that soundbite, yeah. if they don't get you talking about the rumor of your quarterback wanting a trade or the rumor of this player and this player beefing in the locker room and not talking to each other. They got to hear from their editor, their boss, and their job may be on the line. So while I get for you, it's frustrating and it's annoying to talk about it. It is what the relationship between media and sports is. And I feel like as long as somebody is not crossing a line, Mm -hmm. if it is within the realms of the game... That is crossing a line, though. An athlete... How is asking you about a trade? So like this... Crossing right? the line. So, I'm not right. calling you out of your name. I'm not I, talking no, to you crazy. No, I got it, right? So we, we, I think we can all agree on this, right? Handle your business privately. Zach Martin just did his deal. Zach Martin said that Jerry Jones appreciated that he didn't make it a public thing, not even respond to Jerry Jones when Jerry Jones said, oh, I got to save this money for Michael Parsons. So can we all agree that in these contract negotiations, asking for trades, it's probably best to do it privately? Sure. I can okay. I think we all know that. I think journalists know that. But to your point, you they have to get this soundbite. So now I come up and it's like, hey, guys, uh, you know, look, I want to talk ball. Really can't discuss that right now. Got to leave that to the side. But then they ask five, six more times. You see it all the time. It's like, hey, That's I just true. answered the question. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is why I say that these uh, traditional linear networks are dying. Is because the relationship with the athlete. If you read ESPN's mission statement, it says to serve the fan. They don't care about the athlete. So now you you don't see KD, you don't see Kyrie going there. KD will sit down with all the smoke. Kyrie will sit down on on on, on KD's podcast boardroom, right? And so I hear you, Ashley, but that is the problem. Is that all they care about is the fan? No, I I think. When we talk about the athlete, I feel like where the issue comes in is not 
it's annoying to be asked the same question five different ways by five different reporters. I get it, but I think where or the same reporter or the same reporter. Yes, I mean that's kind of insane, but yeah, that does happen. But I think the disconnect between athletes and the media comes from other things. Meaning, instead of Westbrook, you're calling him Westbrook. You're calling mm-hmm. him this one a bum. This one's a clown. You're saying. You know, remember the Jay Williams situation where he said that he had a private conversation with Katie at some Christmas party and then went on air and talking about it. Or when Stephen A, you know, goes on his tangents and he's he's coming for Kyrie and it's personal. That's where the disconnect between the media and the athlete, because now you're not talking about me within the realms of the game. Now you're making a personal attack on me, so I don't want to deal with you. That's where I feel like the difference is. I know a lot of athletes who are annoyed being asked questions multiple times when they're fresh off of a loss, but they yeah. understand it comes with the territory. Yeah, but also- where the disconnect comes is where now you are personally attacking me, and that is not your but job. Even, but even I'll tell you this: I do agree with you, Ashley. That you know, look, when we're talking, first off, even the the boost, the the BS off the court, off the field, it comes with it when you're a pro athlete, when you're uh, a person, you know, high profile person with a platform. Like you got to be able to deal with it all, right? Like that's that's why you're in that position because you're able to deal with the distractions. You're able to deal with the noise. So I do agree with you there, Ashley. But also the way we talk about athletes, even within the realm of the game, is off. Like for you to go out there and say like this dude sucks, this dude doesn't deserve his contract because he went three, four games, blah 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 blah. Like, that's a problem for athletes. That's why when uh, professional athletes get that opportunity to sit on a network and they approach, you know, uh, active athletes that same way, it's like, yo, I don't have no respect for you. I deal with it now, and I'm very conscious. I've been doing this for 10 years, and I still get flack for it. Like, even the situation with Jalen Ramsey. We bring on a doctor. Jalen, let the doctor give it his opinion. Jalen Ramsey mad at me. I'm like, bro, I, I'm the one that said that, I, I, you know, athletes, you know, defy the odds all the time. I'm the one that said, damn, I, damn, doc, don't tell me that. Right? So it's like it's a sticky situation, but actually I do believe, and people say, well, th- well, that's the rules. It's within the game. No, that's, it's, it's human beings. So cool. If that's what you, how you want to play it, then we're just not going to sit on your network. We're not going to come share our stories. And now you see, like, the J.J. Reddicks on those networks, and I pass it back to you, Ashley, because, you know, I can – take up the whole space but like jj reddick why is jj reddick legendary like over these last two years because when he pushed back on them what do you know Stephen? A? you're in the locker room you say what yeah right that's what we want so that was a good well yeah i, I don't i don't i don't when i say in the realms of the game i agree i think that within the realms of the game you should be speaking about things in a respectful manner saying that somebody sucks and doesn't deserve their contract is not really what i'm referring to i'm speaking about just clear, concise, strictly X's, O's analysis from a professional standpoint, I understand that it may not always be the nicest to hear. It may not always be something you want to hear. But at the end of the day, that's what they're there for, is to analyze the X's and the O's and, and the game. So I can understand the frustration, but I also just feel like you can't get mad at that. If Doris Burke is calling a game and she says, I agree. oh, you know, he's not hitting that shot that tonight. He normally does, but his shot is off. How are you going to get mad at that? Yeah, right. <laughs> if you do, that's I agree. something you, I agree. that's I agree with you there. Now, 100%. she went on the air and says, man, they just paid him $100 million. He sucks. He can't hit the side of a bus. 
that's different. But <laughs> I'm talking about reporters and journalists and analysts and color commentators who are professionally reporting on the realms of the game and some athletes because they're dealing with just losing or they're not having a good season and they're sensitive make that a personal thing and that's not fair because that's their job right. just like your job is to go out there and perform and speak to the media whether you win or lose and right. i feel like that's where that line in the sand needs to be drawn right. and sometimes so, it's not and sorry for looking down because no, 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 uh, I'm, I'm trying to read this article i, I agree with you 100 percent there i just think people cross that line all the time because sure. of where the space is and and i was trying to pull up an article um on dan lebitard who left ESPN, yeah. he has the Dan Lebitard show, I think it's Metalark, um, and he called out Stephen A. Smith. You know, this was probably three, four weeks ago. And basically he said, I'm disappointed, and I don't know, maybe you can look it up, Wu, but he basically said, like, what Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless's, the Skip Bayless's of the world, cr t turn journalism into? I don't respect. That's not but I really wish people... I know, but but that's where he started, though. It's he true. Started... They, were, they were both journalists. Yes, right. absolutely. But if you look at their... If you read their old, their old uh, stories and their old yeah. columns, they didn't talk how they talk now that's when they point. were writing. Because they were journalists. But, but they were held to a different standard. That's right. But that's that's what uh, uh, Dan Lebitar highlighted. It was like, yes. they're the pioneers of this toxic space and, and he created these relationships with the athletes. Well, what it, we didn't have, the, 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 what was the first, like, no, there were some people that came before, but this was the first like major mm -hmm. show, debate show, where we just were so critical and so toxic around the athlete. And I keep telling, I keep saying this, I, it blew my mind when I was on FS1. It's one of the reasons why I'm here today and that on other networks. I walked away from a multi-year, multi-year, multi-million dollar deal from them. Why? Because you, it's called take integrity. Like these not journalists, I'm talking about these people on these shows Personalities. now. Right. Like, I, I, oh my goodness, uh, I don't like LeBron James. So I'm going to say I don't like LeBron James, but LeBron James is a really good person. But I got to have this take like because my career is dependent on it. I got to find a way to say that, you know, this person's the goat over this person. Like, it's take it's, it's more about the personality and less about the athlete. And that's where the toxicity comes into play. Well, like I said on this show a few weeks ago when we were having this conversation, not all people are. There's a difference between journalists and there's a difference between personalities. Yeah. Yep. And some people start as journalists and abandon all of those journalistic integrities Oof. when they become personalities. And some people, like myself, who kind of teeter between the two, still follow a lot of journalistic code. And Brandon gets on me all the time for this, but I went to journalism school. I was somebody who wrote for a paper. I'm somebody who went through a traditional journalism just training, if you will. Right. So there are certain things that are just in my foundation of reporting sports that I don't sway from. Right. Some people abandon that when they get to a certain position because at the end of the day, being the hot take personality who throws stuff out there, whether right or wrong, and, and is spicy and is this and that. It wins. Some, it wins. And some people haven't mastered the art of walking the line. Yep. It's one or the other for them. Pat McAfee has. I, listen, really quickly, listen to this, Ashley. Okay. I found, you, I don't know if you found something found too, mm -hmm. but um, you all sold out. Every single one of you. 
Stugat said, whoever Stugat is. Stugat. Stephen A. Smith jumped into the circus tent. I don't blame him. Why he do it? Because he had to do it. You have ditched you have ditched journalism a long, long time ago because why? Survival of the fittest, what you were just saying. Mm-hmm. Dan, you have to change with the times. Dan Lebetard responded by saying Stugatz was being very absolute about his views on sports media. Oh, Stugatz is um his co-host. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. About his views on sports media, the former partner in the interruption host claimed he wanted to do things differently on ESPN and that he didn't want to do debate shows. He even def- defended Smith by saying that he does do a credible, uh, an incredible jo- journalism job outside of the opinion-heavy debate show format. So I don't know what you found, but uh, no, I have. I found a shorter take. It was just Levitard saying, "I hate." what you two have done to sports television, but the response is what I really wanted to bring up, which was Stephen A. saying to him to sit up there and say, me and him, what about you? Where the hell were you living under a rock teaching at Miami University? You were a part of it too. You aren't innocent. Mm. Yikes. So, that was so, his response in March. And that's why, Ashley, and so, Ashley, that's why, <laughs> like, and, and everybody who's been watching the show for the last 20 minutes, that's Damn. why I said, like... Miami University in Ohio? I couldn't even answer the question because... It's like there's so much going on in sports media right now, right? There's a watershed moment. There's a lot of disruption, and you you have to evolve. And I see Stephen A. Smith evolving, being cooler, being more friendly, right? But still being strong. Like he's like leaning into, I'm an OG in this space, and I got relationships. Remember, we sat down with Shaq, and Shaq said the same thing because I asked Shaq. It's like, man, like as a player, how do you feel? How do you feel comfortable talking about these guys this way? I'm trying to give them the information, right? Remember, Shaq said the same thing. Don't I'm trying you think to give them the information. There's a point, though. Like, I can understand Stephen A. trying to turn over a new leaf, and some people trying to turn over a new leaf. But correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, I've never been an athlete. Only in my mind have I won a Super Bowl and an NBA championship. <laughs> You're gonna win one this year, and a, and a World Series. Um, I'm a three. I'm a three athlete. Um, three sport athlete. But I would like. I would believe. Just from a human a humanistic standpoint, that like yes, like a Stephen A can change or try to change, but as an athlete, aren't you already like nah, I'm cool? Uh, like it's not like you gonna all of a sudden like flip how you're like dealing with him and you're gonna now like invite yeah, him to I your think, party. Like well, isn't it kind of like the damage is already done? I, like yes and no, yes and no because he is an OG. He has respect, right? Like we had him on a show, and I'm having this conversation because it's look, it's we had it with him. We had some real questions. Right. But like he sat on our show. Right. He'll answer my call if I call him. Um, You know, he sat on Cam and Mace's show. You know, Paul George uh, had him on his podcast. He's done other podcasts. Right. So I say that because he still has great relationships with athletes. It's not all bad. So I think it's bigger than just Stephen A. Smith. You know, now more people are on YouTube than they are you know, watching ESPN, FS1, or any network. Those, it's everybody that's dying there. There's more creators. There's more people with opinions. We're following people's takes on Twitter, on Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. So I just think that, you know, it's 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 kind of too late. Like now what they got to do is trying to ad- adapt. You know, how do we participate on YouTube? How do we be cool on TikTok and Instagram? And so the space is just changing for me, Ashley. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what was cool. Uh, switching gears here a little bit to, to some culture talk. Yesterday was the 20-year anniversary of the game that never was at Rucker Park. Mm. And, you know, Ashley, she's a New Yorker, so she probably has more of a recollection of the event. You want to walk us through that? 
Okay, so in 2003, obviously, I was young. You were. <laughs> I was, I was, was I in the third grade in 2003? No. It was fifth grade? Yeah, fifth, 2003. Sound, sound about right. Yeah, it was in the fifth grade in 2003 or fourth, whatever. <laughs> so in 2003, summer Jeez. of 2003, yeah, I was a baby, baby. <laughs> 2003, I was headed uh, to college. I was in, high I was school, in college. Damn! Oh, yeah, leave high school, <laughs> No, I was definitely we fourth or fifth grade. Being <laughs> be old. Yo, right? oh, what were you doing, was it Kevin Hart thing where he goes, damn? Damn. <laughs> yeah, right, for real. Um, so in 2003, in the summer of 2003, New York experienced a massive blackout. It was the first massive blackout since I believe 77. When I'm talking massive, the entire city was out, Long Island was out. Mind you, it's the dead of the summer. It's yeah. hot as hell. There's no AC, yep. It's there's no lights, the traffic lights, everything just stopped. The city was pitch black. Jeez. So the game that never was, um, Terror Squad and Rockefeller were supposed to have a pickup basketball game at Rucker Park, 155th. So at the time, um, Jay-Z, AKA Sean Carter, mm -hmm. um, his Reebok shoe became the fastest selling shoe of all time. It sold for about $150 and it was based on Gucci's Hustler approved shoe from 1985. Also, the, what was going on with the Terror Squad was that Fat Joe was having his own situation. Now the Air Force One um, sent out a very a very specific terror squad inspired shoe to all the terror squad members so they mm. all got like these very exclusive air force ones but he also was in negotiation a lot of people don't know this at the time to have a collaboration with jordan brand he was gonna be the oh, first oh, wow. artist to ever have a collaboration with jordan brand so this wow. game yes he was gonna be the first one to ever have Damn. it so this was game wasn't just was about you know Terror Squad, Rockefeller and the beef. Now Jay-Z and Fat Joe were throwing jabs at each other and in their music and there was a little bit of tension going <laughs> in the New York streets, but they were also trying to go ahead and um, basically fight for sneaker game territory. Now oh, people, wow. there's rumors that the beef basically prevented Fat Joe from getting his deal with Jordan. It never happened. Um, so that didn't, basically, Michael Jordan basically said that I want to do it, but you know, I'm not into the rap beef. And Rockefeller and Terror Squad were beefing with each other, like I said. Mm -hmm. So he was like, I don't want no problems. I don't want Jordan to have any problems. The brand, I'm cool. Fat Joe like you, but I'm not dealing with this. Who said that? Basically, that's what Michael Jordan said, that he okay. he doesn't want any problems. He doesn't want to get involved in rap beef. So Fat Joe never got his Jordan Man. brand collection. So... Basically, the team lineup was going to be like this. For Team S. Carter. I understand. Podcast beef is the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Team S. Carter was going to go ahead. The possible starting five of this team was going to go ahead and be um, at guard. You're going to have Sebastian Telfair. You were going to have Ooh. Jamal Crawford. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Forward, LeBron James. Wow. Forward, Lamar Odom. Center, Shaquille O'Neal. Now, for the Terra Squad, you had a possible starting five of guard, Allen Iverson, mm. guard, Stephon Marbury, forward, Carmelo Anthony, okay. Ah, okay, forward, okay. Jermaine O'Neal, ah. and center, Yao Ming. Oh, they win. Terra Squad yeah. won. <laughs> Do they not win? So basically, so, right? That's like a team it was going to be the game of all games. It was insane. So. Basically, the game was supposed to be at 6. The start time ended up getting moved to 8 p.m. just because mm. New Yorkers are notoriously late. Yeah. Um, and around that time, Jay-Z said he rolled past Rucker Park at 2 p.m. 
and there was already 10,000 people waiting outside that's to crazy. get in. Well, you know what, actually, on that note. Lines yeah. started at 10 a.m. for crazy. an 8 p.m. game. That's crazy. We got some footage, actually, from yeah. the day. So let's throw to it real quick. Oh, we'll wow. Right back. Yeah. History lesson. I love I this. I for Team Rockefeller, but then the blackout happened. So you know, everything was shut down. We weren't allowed to play there. We just sat on the bus, and the lights never came on, so we just relaxed. Tracy McGrady was there. He was playing. And, of course, um, Shaq was on, was on ice. Ready to make, ready to roll in. Like I said, he had his own arrival. Yeah, I was on the bus because I wanted to make the, the Brick City entrance. You know how we do. Jay Z sent the plane, and I came up because you know, they were saying Fat Joe had Yao Ming. You know, Fat Joe is my guy, but you know when they want to bring Yao Ming up to the city, you know I gotta come shut that down all day, every day, baby. Diesel Dog Mafia. Rumors of Fat Joe's roster grew as well. And what people don't know, Carmelo and Amari Stoudemire was going to play. They, what they did, they came to the bench, they sat down like they weren't going to play. We were going to bring their uniform and they were going to be in the game. I was going to play with Fat Joe, the terror squad. We were supposed to you know, play against you know, Jay-Z, then the blackout happened. You know, you heard so many names, Chris Webber. We heard so many names that day. Like I said, once you stop saying names, everybody could have said who was coming in that day. They was up, it's the blackout, the only station working is Hot 97, and they talking mad nonsense up there. And he's telling Shaq, oh, I ain't worrying about you, this and that. And he told LeBron, you play against you play against little white kids in high school, you ain't going to do nothing out here. Yeah, this is the same LeBron as we know now, him, that LeBron. You know, Joe talking stuff, we talking stuff back to him, Shaq on the phone talking stuff to Joe. It's crazy, man. People in the hood, the only real power was, were the car stereos. So people would have the car radios on loud and the whole block would be tuned in. And of course, all through the hood, people had Hot 97 on. Jay-Z was actually leaving out of town Friday. So he already had it all mapped out that win it or lose it, he was out the next day. The lights came back on the next morning, but it was really too late to have the game. And the game was scheduled for Monday. Mm. Yeah, so how it worked was basically Jay-Z did try to save the game. He, he had an idea. Everyone just like line their cars up outside of Rucker, turn your headlights on, and that was going to be enough light. NYPD said, nah, I don't think so. Y'all yeah. ain't doing that. So basically the game never happened. The lights did come back on the next morning. The power was only out in New York for maybe about like seven to nine hours. All the time. So, but <laughs> the whole night was gone basically. So... They did try to go ahead, and the next morning, um, the lights came back on. They did try to go ahead and reschedule the game for Monday. But Jay-Z was already on vacation in Saint-Tropez with Beyonce, so he wasn't coming back. <laughs> and Fat Joe's team literally waited for two hours before the game was basically awarded to his team by forfeit. Jay-Z and... Um, Jay-Z and, and uh, Fat Joe ended up throwing shots at each other for years after that. They didn't even speak to each other for years. Like, they'd be in the same elevator and not even acknowledge each other. <laughs> but if you ever listen to Lean Back, there's a line in Lean Back that basically says, didn't have to play, ha didn't have to, play to win the championship. He's referring to the game that never ah. was. So that is your history gotta, lesson in the game that never was, ladies and gentlemen. Ashley, phenomenal job. Like, that was a, that we really history sat lesson. in a lecture right there. That was a history lesson. That was, learned, a, his, that was a New York history lesson was, for you. So that next was time awesome. You hear lean back and you hear that line. Didn't have to play the game to win the championship. You know which game he's referring so to. So let me let me let me say this though, uh, Ashley, you guys think that the power went out. You know, because it was a city thing. No, it was it was all the way from Connecticut to oh, like wow. it was the whole tri-state power. Ashley. Went out. 
that government came in. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we talked about real beef. You think about that was real beef, and now we gonna put everybody in this one little space. Nah, Ashley. Okay. That's a conspiracy. conspiracy like, theory, yeah, it is. Right. It is for real. What did Connecticut Seriously. have to do with it? They they had to. Oh, we can't do this now. It's going to be a racial thing. So let's take it to the whole tri oh tri state what area. What did Canada have to do with it? Who? Canada. They all a part of it. Yo, we need y'all in part of this. We got two of the biggest uh, 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 icons in hip hop. <laughs> hip hop is the number one genre in the world. Like, we need help. They couldn't let that happen. Well, it's a it's a going joke in New York that you know whenever this game gets brought up, it's like who would have actually won. So seeing the potential lineups, who do you guys think would win? Team Rockefeller or Team Terror Squad? Again, uh, with, uh, just without the video. I'm a um, I'm a uh, Jay Z fan, but the lineup that you I'll read it again you, so you guys you, have you, it. You, it was you a little called out. Graphic, huh? I'm no, going with I'm going with Terror okay. Squad. So Terror Squad's lineup, potential lineup. You had okay. Here we go. Right here. Sebastian yep. Telfar, Lamar Odom, Jamal Crawford, Shaq, LeBron was Team Jay-Z. I'm going S. Carter. Yeah, and then I Team Fat go Joe was Allen Iverson, Carmelo, Yao Ming, oh, Stephon Marbury, Jermaine O'Neal. Hold on, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. <laughs> that's tough. It is, it is tough. But you ain't say Shaq on yes, the first time you read it, Ashley. I said Shaquille O'Neal. Yes, I did. I said Shaquille O'Neal center Oof. after Lamar Odom. LeBron, Shaq, Joe. See, I don't know. LeBron might not have been ready for that environment, though. <laughs> I don't know if LeBron might, might not have been ready. You ready know Stephon Mar Marbury would have been ready. Allen Iverson was about that. Melo was about that. Yao would have been dominated by Shaq. He would have hit him with a couple of elbows been over. Jermaine O'Neal. <sighs> Lamar, oof. I don't know, man. Ooh, Who do you have? It would have been this? a good game. Huh? What year was this? 2003. I'm sorry. I'm going with uh, Team S. Carter just on the fact that Shaq just came off of three championships, In that, that year, Come right? on. Yeah. I got to go he with He just won from 2000 too. to 2002, and you're not going to pick him in 2003 to just dominate? Yo, here you go. Let's add, let's, let me add something to this conversation, Ashley. Why don't Fat Joe and Jay-Z actually had a game? Because they're all like forty now <laughs> or older. You want to see new Shaq players, out right? at Rucker no, no, Park? No, 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 no. New oh, players. like new yeah. players. New players. Yeah. New players at the Rucker. Um, that would be cool. What? Yeah. I just feel Yo, back. The game that never said was. That time is past. That time is past. How is it past? Though. Because no, you have to remember, like at the time, two thousand three through like two no two thousand to like two thousand nine. Terror Squad and Rockefeller, like it, that was prime in like New York culture. Like the Rucker hadn't gone through its redesign. Like the the court at Rucker is not the same as it was back in the right. day. Like, it ain't even about that. It's not that. the same nostalgia. It ain't about that. Okay. It ain't about that. It's an event. So yeah. I, I guarantee you, if Jay Z and Fat Joe came together and had a a, a game at Rucker Park. It would be thirty thousand, fifty thousand people trying to get there. Yeah, it might look like that. Kai, no, it Kai would. Sinat. I just don't know if it would have the same. I, like, look at what everyone was wearing. They had on XXXL I'm from Brooklyn. Look, I got the Brooklyn on. Look, BC saying it won't be the same. They had the all the dudes. They had the do rags fitted. Like, it's not the same flow. They yeah. had Tim's on in the middle you're of hurt? August. You heard? I mean, you heard? You see, you, see <laughs> you see how hype these programs get? You know, I really feel yeah. like that could work. I feel like that could work. That would be a phenomenal event. They should do it. Terror Squad hasn't been a thing. Since like two thousand five, Fat Joe's back. Fat Joe's back. He's a podcaster. He's a content creator now. He's <laughs> he's transcended hip hop. But you guys realize like Terra Squad and Rockefeller aren't things anymore. I know it's just Jay Z and Fat Joe. Yeah, right. Why, why y'all overthinking this? Jay Z, Fat Joe come together. Or, or who? Because those be names just as big. This, this generation's version of that. 
Ooh, it'd be you like could, it'd be, be like, like quality control versus no. OVO. Oh, you I was thinking OVO, OVO probably. OVO, no. Who's no. on OVO's got, oh. level though? Let's get TDE. There's a lot of LA no. You know ballers. what it is. No. <laughs> We're forgetting the LA ballers now. Who's beefing? I was going to say, but you know they're still in that era. I was going to say like, you know Drake and um and um. Push a T? Push a T. Oh, push a T. Drake and push a T. I don't think that would turn into something. That's going to turn out. Can I ask y'all this question real quick? Can I ask y'all this question real quick? Isn't that messy for Kim K to go to Drake's show? She don't care. That was mad random. Like, did you see that? She lost her soul years ago. She's not allowed to go to Drake's concert. I'm starting to believe that little poster that Drake had on that one song with the helmet that was actually her. You know, because it's like, oh, he... Search and Destroy? That yeah. one? Well, I don't no, they came out and said the girl can't, that Why was, can't she go to his concert? They crept down they, the block. They, no, it crept her down the ex, block. Made like, it right. the whole beef. The father of her this. children don't get along with him. I get what you're saying, but... They're I remember divorced. that era, though, that they were beefing. But then that's not messy? They're she out there. Divorced. <laughs> He's walking around barefoot I, in Italy with some other woman. Like, why do I give a damn? That's like why crazy. Do I, I can't go to a Drake concert. That's crazy. I can't go to a Drake concert because my... Ex-husband has beef with him. That's insane. Yeah, that's I'm more right. cool with we that. We got kids together. It, that's what I'm we trying to look. That's like going back to kids. There. I said searching the street. But her matter. kids weren't there. Yeah, she don't understand it, man. Like, Hold on a second. <laughs> Drake doesn't. Drake doesn't have beef with uh, Travis Scott. VC and Travis you, Scott has chill has a, has children with Kylie Jenner, with who also just has a track with Bad Bunny, who's dating Kendall Jenner. Travis Scott used to date Kendall Jenner. <laughs> I don't see why the line should be drawn at Kim Kardashian. Hold on, Travis Gordon Scott Drake. dated Kendall and yes. Kylie? Yes, yes. Oh, I didn't know. Whoa, 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 you mean Travis Scott or ASAP Rocky? Travis Scott dated Rihanna also. Travis Scott dated what? Really? No way. Wow. I mean, yeah, I'm I got a lot of them like hugging, but that could be nah, a family. Nah, actually, I think they were off there. A th- it, it's a, they weren't like in love. They casually dated and then he started dating Rihanna. I got a quote of her saying he tried to sleep with me. That's it. Kendall said he that? Tried. Uh, yeah, Kendall. Kendall said that Kendall about said that. Travis. Yeah, it's like some small interview. No, nah, that ain't. No, nah, listen. You think Travis Scott tried to sleep with Tried? I'm not. <laughs> All I'm saying, there's a lot of mixtures of like cross nah, whatever. I don't beef. see why the line got to be drawn. They calling out. out Pusha T and Kanye, you know, calling out that shit. That was 2018, 2019. Calling out uh, Drake and, you know, introducing his kid to the yeah, world to like that was kid. real beef. I don't know how they can. How y'all come together, go to the bowl in L.A., <laughs> put on this amazing event and then start beefing again. Aren't they beefing again? Who? Drake and Kanye. It was it was for a cause, and it was also under oh, the, that Larry, the, the that Larry. of Jay Prince. And for, yeah, Larry Hoover. Because what Kanye but it was, came Remember that, oh, that picture of uh, Jay Prince with the with the airpiece in, and then you got Drake and Kanye there? Yeah. Drake, I, I forget his lyric, but he basically said, I only did that for uh, Jay Prince. He didn't, he don't, I don't think he really made up, made up. You know how, like, like if you two oh, yeah. kids and then your, your parents, like, make up. Man. Right, you just—they did it for the culture, but yeah, nothing was. Really I just—I just don't think the line should be drawn at Kim. If you do, like Hollywood, that particular group of individuals, that family particularly, it's very insensuous. There's mm-hmm. a lot of cross lines being connected 
to sports, music. Like I just, if you avoided every place where there was a connection, they would never leave the house. But so I just feel beef. like, like to your point earlier, right? Travis may have dated sisters, but I mean, yeah, they probably had sister fights, but like they didn't beef to the degree that I think Kanye and Drake. Like he literally ripped his child to the headlines, yeah. showed pictures of him. You know that weren't the most positive. That was not. That was Pusha T who did that. No, I'm just. I'm just saying, like beef. They had beef, but like their beef was because Kanye was under the impression that Drake was messing around with Kim. Like their beef, he didn't expose his child to the world. That was Pusha T. Why is that Kanye's fault? Well, sorry, I probably on deeper levels because Kanye apparently gave some of that information to Pusha T. Yeah, he couldn't do it himself yeah, like yeah. Pusha T could, but he was one of the reasons why hey, Pusha man. T got that information. I gave involved. it to you. I didn't tell you what to do with it. Beef was beef. You now you messy. Put Ashley on the top. I'm just five saying. Messy. You messy. For but real. again, regardless, regardless, what does this have to do with someone who's no longer married to the man? Yeah, right. That's not even her husband. He's with. He isn't he married to another woman? Because like the reason why like we're not the only ones having this discussion. I'm not the only messy person in the entertainment world asking this question. That's why you don't do it. Like what? Why you want? Why you want people talking about this? Like that's messy, Ashley. She doesn't care. It's her ex-husband. It Divorce. don't matter. It don't matter. Divorce. Still, don't, it's 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 know. a wonderful thing when you're can't, married. You can't you and you, you get divorced. You no longer have you, to deal with that person. You, you, you don't have to worry about them. You hanging out with the ops? I tell you, it don't rub me the wrong way as it did when Pete Davidson got the name to the kids tatted. That was wild. That was extremely wild. That was crazy. I will give you after, that. After, that was freaking nuts. Yeah, after that, I'm just yeah. like, all right. But I think he did that to piss Kanye off, but that was definitely Chris wild. Brandon, yeah. you started this time. <laughs> that was wild. But like, I feel like Kim, like Kim was probably there. Like she, she allowed yeah, that him was to crazy. do that. That would have freaked me out. She easily could have been like, no, no don't I, do that. I, no, I mean, listen, maybe. Yeah. Shoot, she going to Drake's party. She might have been there. You said she, you think she was there at the tattoo parlor? Yes. Oh my goodness. She messy, bro. Yes. I definitely feel Kim K would have been right Kim there in that Yeah, that was bar. that was crazy. But I don't see an issue with her going to a concert. Should mm-hmm. Devin Booker not go to a Bad Bunny concert? Yeah, right. Why would he go to a bad no? Should he not so if Bad Bunny is performing well, at halftime right? at the NBA All Star game, cool. should he should he not should he leave? Cool. That's no, like that's job. that's different. That's different. That's but. a little I think that's a little different, right? The girl I was just with they was they was together should for he, a couple he of years. He hangs out with Travis Scott. They just, him and KD were just photographing the Biza a, going to a Travis Scott concert. It's a timeline. Like, you oh gotta be my like, God. it gotta be like 36 <laughs> months before, you know, before me. 36. <laughs> 36 months before you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if you like got a homeboy and it's like, boom, 36 months before, like I talked to this chick and then 36 months pass and you're like, oh, I met her and, you know, you didn't really know. You gotta let it go. 36 months. And that's B- all the time we wanna, have. <laughs> DC want to know. What's the question, BC? He want to know if you never got with someone who messed with one of your homeboys recently. Like, you never, you never, you know, smashed anything that your homeboy might have already messed with. Say sloppy the seconds. Sloppy have, seconds. Have you ever yeah, taken on some sloppy, sloppy seconds? Have you ever Like, you know your homeboy messed with her and you just come in and following in alignment. 36 months. <laughs> what is 36 months? Ashley, what are you saying? That's a year and a half. She's actually, oh, that's why she's over there looking. No, Ashley, right. come on, that's three years. Oh, I'm oh, saying that's a long time. 36 months. Oh. Three years. 12, yeah. 24, 36. No. That's a long time. The but. world's too big to infiltrate friend groups. I advise all women if you date somebody in one friend group, just go to a different one. <laughs> 
Both I'm not, social media is a wonderful thing. It's not that hard to figure out who's friends and who's not friends. Right. Don't don't double dip in the same friend group. That's it's that's not cool. Don't do that. <laughs> you know. Wise words from Ashley Nicole. <laughs> She's giving us a yeah. history lesson on the Rucker. Right. What happened 20 years ago between Fat Joe mm-hmm. and Jay Z. And now I'm dating advice for right. some of our young ladies out there. Yeah. Great show. Somebody said Ashley's a demon. I'd be chilling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting roped into this. Yes, Sersky. Yes, Sersky. What we got? Hump day tomorrow, Ashley? Hump day tomorrow. Get no, out I can't away. do it before hump day. That's oh, bad luck. Goodness. She nah. wants to do this for you guys every Wednesday. Yeah, right. I'll be opening the show tomorrow. You guys don't want to miss that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good people. It's another dope episode of Paper Out. We'll see y'all tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.